again um, we've came we've come to a time of our praises uh, announcements and prayer requests uh, number one praises our barbecue fundraiser uh, was a success it was a huge success uh, for those of you who are interested uh, after expenses uh, we wound up with a net of sixty one hundred dollars so Give everybody a round of applause, a lot of hard work. Uh, we'll be able to use that money for missions this year, so uh, God bless everyone who participated. Uh, praises, prayer requests, additions to the prayer list. Um, what is, Sharon, what is, who am I supposed to? Paulette McKenzie. Add Paulette McKenzie to the prayer list. I could remember her first name, but not her last name. She is... Uh, in the hospital, she's in the ICU, uh, having some issues with her oxygen levels. So, uh, any other? Uh, an update on Deb, Debbie McPherson that we've been uh, praying for. Debbie <coughs> on Friday, and she had taken a hundred. She had walked hundred and thirty-five feet. Amen. Using a push walker. She right. still doesn't have movement in her left arm, but she's getting movement in her leg, and every day she's getting better and better. So Amen. Pray for her. Amen. Uh, Miss Sandy. The barbecue was delicious. <laughs> Amen. And I thank the church for all that you did. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Any other? John? Just a couple for this morning. Praise that Trina Coffer or prayer She's feeling better. She's in prison. We'll keep her on there. Okay. Keep praying for her. And then 
be praying for the May family. Uh, and then um, Charlie Lovewood um, said really, he really appreciated the, the barbecue plate and very he praised yeah, he, he uh he called me and uh he said uh just want to thank everybody for the barbecue plate and he said i really thank y'all for remembering a lonely old man who's just barely getting along now charlie can talk so he's doing pretty good uh, um any other praises and prayer requests There's not a person in this church that didn't give 110% on yeah. that day. Amen. And the days before. <laughs> John? I want to thank everybody for praying for my mom. She had a cataract surgery um, on Tuesday. That was successful. And I thank you for your prayers for me and Davis. We traveled to Charlotte and made it back to Charlotte safely. So I appreciate you yeah. that too. Yep. Thank the church. Jason? Um, I want to request a prayer uh, for somebody I know. Most of that converse with online, that's in Russia. Okay. Yesterday, wrote the plan of salvation and a message to them. Just please pray that uh, they will come to know Christ as Savior. They were, you know, I asked them how a person got to heaven, and it was like their mouth works. And so, if you're working, so just be, you know, praying for them. Any other? Any other praises? I have one. Um, my niece, Lauren Gorski, we prayed for her for months and months. She just had her six-month cancer checkup, and she's cancer-free. Amen. Amen. Um, I talked to her. I've had a lot of people tell me about the barbecue. Um, uh, one guy said that, uh, or told, told Sharon that the our told Sharon's sister that the barbecue that we served was better than picking pigs barbecue. So that comes with high praise right there. Uh, but I have not heard any anything uh, negative about the, the meals or anything. So that's good. Um, I think we've redeemed ourselves from the slaw incident. Do what? I think we've redeemed ourselves from the slaw incident. Yeah. Oh, yeah. In fact, I, I know one fellow that, that ate probably about two or three cups while we were serving so and that's good because he needed it he, he he can't eat just normal stuff sometimes well i call it normal stuff because i don't eat slaw so so he was eating abnormal stuff but that's because his body needed it and i told him eat all he wanted <laughs> we still got if you need some slaw we still have some take some home with you yeah take them home uh make your coleslaw dreams come true uh <laughs> Any other praises and prayer requests? Thank you for the rain yesterday. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yes, it was beautiful. Uh, we had a we had a football game and we ran out of the rain and into the rain and then they had an hour delay and played the game and come home with a child that was disheartened because they got their tails tore up. <laughs> but the, not to make any excuses, the kids that were on the other team they were playing. Were just had just barely made the cutoff on age, so uh, they were actually playing eleven year olds, so bigger kids fixing to be twelve. And anyway, 
Um, they did good. They didn't blow them out, but they got run over. Um, any other praises and prayer requests? Go ahead, Jason. Any other? Now, Stanley's funeral was yesterday. They, they appreciate yeah. our continuing prayer. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yep. Dr. Charles Stanley's funeral was yesterday. Uh, uh, continue to pray for the Stanley family. Um, any other? Yeah, I got one. I know we've thanked everybody for helping with our barbecue plates, else, but I'd like to, to, to actually uh, a thank you to our youth, our kids, our youth, and and young adults uh, showed up and, and did a great job. Uh, yeah. so thank you for standing yep. up. Yep. Any other? If there's no one, then let's go to the Lord in prayer. Hey, Father God, we love you and we thank you. Lord, we thank you that we're able to come before you. We're thankful that, that when Jesus died, the veil was rent and we have access straight to you. He was the sacrifice. The sacrificial offerings were over. Christ paid it. Lord, we accepted it. And now we can go straight to Him with our petitions. Lord, we lift up each one of those that were mentioned on our prayer list, those that were added. Lord, you know each situation. We ask you to intervene. Uh, we ask you to guide the doctors. And we ask you to use the medicine to heal these for your glory. For your glory, Lord, uh, and the advancement of your kingdom. Lord, uh, we just lift up those that are grieving. We ask you to wrap your arms around them, the Stanley family and the others, Lord. We just draw them close to you and let them feel your presence. Lord, I love you. We love you. We ask you to bless this time together. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, if uh, everybody will join us in our offertory hymn, 162, Wonderful, Merciful Savior.
again. Uh, if you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 23. Luke chapter 23. Uh, I'm only going to focus on one verse and I'll, and I'll lead up to it. Uh, but the verse that I'm going to talk about is the most, probably the most profound prayer that was ever prayed in the Bible. And so we're going we're gonna to look at it and we're going we're gonna to see what all it entails and what all that little prayer uh, accomplished. So if you've got your Bibles there, I'll read verse 34 of the 23rd chapter of Luke. Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted His remnant and cast lots. Let's pray. Father God, I love You. And I thank You for this day. I thank You for the opportunity we have to not only worship You, Lord, but to dig into Your Word and, Lord, understand all of the ramifications that this short but powerful prayer had. Lord, we just love You. I ask that You give me the ability to be able to, to, to translate that into something that we can tangibly hold and walk out into a cold world that needs to hear this. Lord, I love You and I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Number one, it was, it was a prayer that took place. Jesus was on the cross for, for six hours. He actually nailed Him there around 9 a.m. Uh, at 12, and it went dark, which would be the, the sixth hour, I think it is. And then at the ninth hour, he, he gave up the ghost at nine, uh, 3 o'clock in the afternoon. So from 9 o'clock to 3 o'clock, he was on the cross. And so this prayer actually took place when they were nailing him to the cross. Every time that they would drive one of the spikes in his hand or in his feet, he said it over and over again. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And there's a lot there. See, it was a prayer for His murderers. It wasn't just for the Romans. It was for the Jews. And it was for the Romans who were carrying out their business. But we find out later on that even some of the Romans knew that He was an innocent man. 
and repented. But they, it kept going on. It kept going on. The whole time this was going on, it says, and they cast lots for his clothes. So we're going to get into this real quick. It said, uh, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. I have six things, seven things that I would like to, to try to articulate today. Number one, it, it was a prayer for his murderers. Number two, it was a prayer for his mockers. Number three, it was a prayer for his tempters. Number four, it was a prayer for his skeptics. Number five, it was a prayer for his doubters. Number six, it was a prayer for his rejects or rejectors. And number seven, it was above all a prayer of compassion when he threw in, for they know not what they do. And so we're going to dive in and hopefully I can, I can articulate everything that needs to be dissected from this verse. Uh, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. The love of Jesus never fails. Even on the cross while he was suffering, he prayed even for the, his executioners, asking God the Father not to hold this sin against them. Now, does that mean they were forgiven? Absolutely not. He asked them not to hold this. He asked God not to hold the sin against them. They needed to repent. You know, Jesus died on the cross for us. That doesn't mean that we're automatically forgiven. What it means is we have to respond to that in faith. We have to respond to that through the guidance of the Holy Spirit. See, uh, see, Jesus probably prayed in this manner for His enemies all through His ministry. Think about it. We don't know because He always, what? Went off by Himself to pray. Now we know because He had nowhere to go. He could not escape to make the prayer. So it was being heard publicly. The prayer was heard and noted because he had no quiet place to pray. Remember what did he tell us? Go to your quiet place. Lock yourself in your closet. And pray. Pray to the Father. That no one else can hear you. See, in this, Jesus fulfilled his own command. See, he's still teaching from the cross. Love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good for those who hate you and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. That comes from Matthew 5.44. See, He's still preaching and He's still teaching as He's hanging on the cross. By example, not only is He using words, but He's exemplifying the commands that He gives us. We're to love our enemies. Think about this. He tells us we're to love our enemies, but we're also to do what? Love our neighbors as ourselves. So if we're to love our neighbors as ourselves and we're to love our enemies, who in this world can we hate? No one. No one. Just because they sin different than we do, just because they live a lifestyle that's different than ours, does not mean we can hate them. Hate the sin, love the person. Because see, even those blue-haired and red-haired and people that's got all the piercings and tattoos on, God made them in His image. And there's never been a human being that was born on the face of the earth that was useless. Never. They may have felt useless. They have been told they were useless. 
but they were of value to God. God brought them to life for a purpose. The purpose was to have a relationship with Him. That's why we're all here. You want to know the purpose of life? Have a relationship with the Creator. And because of the work that Jesus did on the cross, we have been given the opportunity to freely accept that. We have access. The reason the veil was rent in the temple from top to bottom was that the sacrificial system was over. The Lamb of God, like the song that we sang, the Lamb died for the sins of many. Died for the sins of many. So the Lamb, see, He prayed for His murderers. I mean, think about it. They're down there. They take His clothes off. He came into this world with nothing. He left this world with nothing. In fact, he went from where he was as the king of the Jews to nothing. He had no clothes on. That was another sign of, uh, of a rejection and, and supposed to be a blasphemous thing is for a Jew to be caught naked in public. And naked is anything... He had a loincloth on. But that was it. You were never to be caught in public without your cloak and your, and your flock. Never. And so they hung that sign up above him. Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. And his mockers, think about this. The people were mocking him left and right. Even the thief on the cross mocked him. And he prayed, for they know not what they do. His tempters. Not only were they mocking, they were tempting him. If you're God, if you're the Son of God, hop down, I'll call these angels. Think about this for a moment. Be careful what you ask for. You might get it. What would have happened had the angels came down? They would have slew every one of them there. They would have slew them. The valley would have been started to run red with blood. But that wasn't the plan. It wasn't the plan. The plan was for Him to do this for us. And Luke is the only one who mentions that, that Jesus freely gave up the ghost. Freely died. He hung on that cross freely. He did not have to go. It was a prayer for the skeptics. There were some there that just wasn't sure. They just wasn't sure that he was who he said he was. I mean, it was, it was pretty evident. I mean, you had a member of the Sanhedrin come visit him in the middle of the night because he didn't want to be seen with him. They had a long conversation with Nicodemus. And then there was the doubters. Those that had followed him. We have those today. The doubters. We have all of these today, but the doubters. Those are the ones that sit in the pews of the church. The doors are open. They're there. They help. They participate. They're involved in the church. They want to be all active, all knowing. But they doubt. They doubt whether Jesus is really who He is. They doubt that His promises are trustworthy. They just doubt. And then you have those that sit in the church. And they're here and they go through the motions too, but they're rejectors. They have it all figured out. They have head knowledge. They don't have heart knowledge. I know who Christ is. 
I believe in Jesus Christ. But they never made a heart commitment to Him. And they're going to be shocked when they stand before Him and he, they say, Lord, Lord, look what we've done. Look what I did in Your name. Depart from me. For I never knew You. It's about the heart. Where did He say He was going to build His church? In the hearts of men. Not in brick and mortar. This is a building. We call it a church. The church is a living, breathing organism. It is us. The temple of God is in the hearts of men. Some of us need to go in and remodel our temple. Some of us need to get a makeover. Some of us need to go in and unlock all the doors so Christ can have full access. But most of all, it was a prayer of compassion. Jesus from the cross still had compassion on those who were tormenting Him, mocking Him, that were skeptics. He still prayed for them, for they know not what they do. See, this was a, that was a fulfillment of His own command. For they do not know what they do. In this, Jesus recognized the blindness of His enemies. He recognized that, that even that did not excuse their guilt. Ignorance is not an excuse for sin. However, it may lessen the audacity of the incident for those involved, but ignorance is no excuse for sin. It's no excuse for breaking the law. If ignorance does not excuse a crime, then at least it diminishes the atrocity. Think about that. There's a lot of things that were done ignorantly, out of ignorance. There was a lot of things that have happened through the century in the name of God that was completely ungodly. See, God has become a scapegoat for a lot of people. We're doing this in the name of God. No, you're not. No, you're not. If it doesn't involve love and it doesn't involve compassion, if it doesn't involve you getting involved to help change the situation and educate, then it is not of God. If you think it being of God to go out and call names to other people because they live a different life than you, then you're mistaken. You make it harder on the rest of us who are trying to do what God's called us to do. Be compassionate. You're supposed to turn the other cheek. You ain't supposed to go bash them on the head with a Bible. Question. Rhetorical. How many of you want a soul by beating somebody in the head with a Bible? How many of you want a soul by walking up to somebody on the street and telling them, you're going to hell? I guarantee you that number is probably less than 1%. Probably zero, uh, point zero 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 in a one, maybe. Maybe even more. That's not the way you do it. How did Christ do it? He didn't bash anybody. He just spoke truth. And He didn't speak it with an attitude except for when He was in the temple. And I don't blame Him. They was messing up His, da- his dad's house. Ignorance is no excuse. And these people well knew that they were crucifying an innocent man. The Jews from the Sanhedrin knew it. Pontius Pilate knew it. The Romans who were tormenting him knew it. The crowd that was being whipped up knew it. They were agitators. The Sanhedrin had professional agitators stirring up the crowd. Where have we seen that lately? All you got to do is turn the TV on. 
There's professional agitators trying to get a point across. Whipping up the crowd. Mob mentality. Mob justice. But they did not know that this act of theirs that they were bringing down on themselves and on their country was the heaviest judgment of God. In the prayer, Father, forgive them. That word of forgiveness is prophecy. Was fulfilled. He made the trans. He made the intercession for the transgressors in Isaiah fifty-three twelve. See, he's still fulfilling prophecy even in his death. While he's hanging on the cross in the dark, he's still fulfilling prophecy. And today, some 2,023 odd years later, prophecy is still being fulfilled. There has not been any new prophecy, but that covenant that was the new covenant is still intact today. One day, that covenant is going to be null and void because the door to the ark of salvation will close just like the door on the ark did. Hopefully, you may get to go up the ramp. And then they divided his they divided his, his his garments. Think about this. Think about this. They divided his garments. See, on the cross, Jesus was leveled to nothing. To nothing. He was on the lowest tier that you could be. You know, he they they crucified him on Golgotha. It's funny because when you get to the Greek words and you get to the to the Latin words, that's where we get our word cranium from. Some say it was because the hill looked like a a skull. Some say it was because so many people were crucified there. Some say it was the place where David buried Goliath's head. I don't know. I just know it's a place. Calvary in Latin means place of the skull. Did you know that? On Calvary, that's, place, that's, that's Latin for skull. How many years old were you when you found that out? I know I was 64. <laughs> I just thought it was that was where he conquered everything, you know. So I learned something. Out of all the years of college and all that, and I found out to I found out this week that cavalry meant skull. So I wonder what the cavalry means in the army now in a new light. When we're waiting for the cavalry, so we're waiting for the skull to come save us. I mean, just that's where my mind wandered. I apologize. Uh, But this is where he was hung. This is what happened. His skeptics. We have skeptics today. We have many skeptics today. They will tell you that that they believe this but not this. They will dispute parts of the Bible. They believe this part of the Bible but not that part of the Bible. They'll believe God but they don't believe in Jesus. They believe in Jesus but they don't believe in God and they sure don't believe in the, tri- in the, in the Trinity. How can you do that? It's easy. With brain knowledge. Not 
heart knowledge. When you come to Christ in faith, when you come to Christ and ask Him to be your Lord and Savior, to be the Lord of your life, He immediately sends the Holy Spirit to transform you. And you start understanding things you never understood before. I'm reminded of a story that this man used to tell. A guy was sit on the front row, front row every Sunday. He was 96 years old. They had a pastor come in and did a revival. The man got up, got saved. The next day he come back to the revival and told the pastor, said, I can't believe it. He said, I've been reading this book for 90 years. And he said, it makes sense now. It makes sense now. Without the Holy Spirit, you can't understand the Word of God. If you read the book and you're confused, it's because you haven't drawn close to the Spirit. You haven't given the Spirit access to every part of your being. Doubters. We have professional doubters. Their whole job is to go from campus to campus and enter into debate with theologians to try to make them look stupid, for lack of a better term, and try to disprove God. Well, tell them to prove that He ain't. They can't. And it was a prayer for His rejectors. How many of us have been rejected in our life? I better see hands going up. I mean, I get it on a daily basis. We are to pray for the rejectors. If you share the gospel, you're going to be rejected. If you have a certain occupation, you're going to be rejected. When you... I can see. I, I came to the pastorate later in life. I can remember what it was like to walk up to somebody just as a church member into a crowd. Nothing changed. Once I became ordained, I'd walk into a crowd and everything changed. Oh, pastor, I'm sorry. Don't pay it. Don't say you me. I'm, I can't forgive you. Talk to the Lord. You're not saying anything I haven't heard already. That doesn't make it right. Doesn't make it right. And above all, it was a prayer of compassion. Here he is in his dying moment, six hours on the cross, suffering. There were seven statements issued, but Luke only mentions three, and I'm not getting into them. But he's there for six hours. And he has a prayer of compassion. For those that are doing the things they do. The only other person I ever heard pray that was Stephen. Stephen, when he was being stoned to death, said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. When we're being persecuted, when we're being uh, assailed, do we have those words in our vocabulary? Are we too caught up? and the pain and the suffering that we're going through to mention them. Or it's the first words out of my Lord, why me? The better question is, Lord, why not me? I met a man in Nicaragua had big scars on his back. And we were working and he took his shirt off and I asked him, his name was Juan. One of my first trips. I said, Juan, what happened to you? Oh, I was fortunate enough to be striped for my Lord. 
that's probably one of the most profound statements I've ever heard in my life to see a living, breathing individual say I was fortunate enough to be striped for my Lord. And I still struggle with that. Would I be able to make that statement? Would I be able to make that statement? And so, He has compassion. He, doesn't, he didn't hold the people who did it to Him with a grudge. He forgave them. God tells us to forgive them. Because out of, out of contempt and out of anger and out of holding on to grudges, our system becomes decayed and sick because we're supposed to let it go. We're supposed to hand it over to the cross. What did Jesus say? My burden, take my yoke, my burden is light. And come to me all who are weary and I will give you rest. When you're struggling and you're, it seems like the whole world is caving in on you, when you finally do let the Lord take the yoke, you think back on it, man, I should have done this a long time ago. God is good at what He does. He is very good at what He does. But they had taken the clothes off of Jesus, the clothes off His back. It was about up one piece. It was one garment. There were no seams in it. It was an expensive cloth. And they took everything that he owned and they divided among themselves with the roll of a dice. Just goes to show you that the king of the Jews came way down the ladder. And he came way down the ladder to accomplish our salvation. Everything that He suffered on that cross was for me. See, I hadn't been born yet, but my sins that I had yet to commit, He paid the price for that day. Those six hours, He suffered for me. If I was the only human being ever to be born after Adam, He died on the cross for me. When you put those things in perspective and you look at the vast universe and you see all the stars and all the galaxies that are out there and how everything works at just the right time and everything's spinning at just the right angle to sustain life and gravity to keep us from flying off the planet. And the Bible tells me He knows the number of hairs on my head. And he knows the number of days I have. I stand in awe. Who am I that the creator of the universe knows my name? Not only does he know my name, but he knows how many hairs are on my head. And he knows how many days I have on this earth to accomplish his will. Changes your perspective. See, I, I, I don't know when it's happening, but I believe we don't have as long to go as we've had. Are we in the end times? Probably. The, the, the signs that are fulfilling themselves are showing us that. And we, we as Christians should be prepared to get out of here. 
Because the evil that's spoke about in the Bible during, during that tribulation is not going to happen while the church is here. We'll endure to the end, but the other thing is, is we're not going to suffer Jacob's wrath. See, you have to take the Bible in the whole context. Not just cherry pick little things that we want and don't like. So He became completely poor for us. So that not only that, but we could, we could understand another Scripture that was written about Him. 2 Corinthians 8-9 says it like this, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though He was rich, yet for your sakes He became poor that through His poverty might become rich. We are rich in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. We were poor. We were condemned. And see, those who reject Jesus Christ are already condemned. Those who accept Jesus Christ have become rich. We become completely rich in Him. And if you don't think that's, that, that's something, think about this. You have become a child of God. You are a joint heir with Jesus Christ. That means you are His brother or His sister. That means we've been adopted into Christ's family by the Father. And here's the other thing. Christ's family has no... Um, oh, my mind went blank. Um, huh? Orphans, thank you. <laughs> Christ's family has no orphans. There are no left behinds. See, you're either in the family or you're out. There, you can't stand on a fence. There's not a fence to stand on. Because if you're on the fence, when he comes back, you're still going to be on the fence. And then you're going to realize, mm, I made a mistake. Are you willing to bet your eternity on a mistake? And see, that's the thing that we're to articulate to others. There's an eternity. This is not it. Life is like a vapor. Take a match, one of those old kitchen matches, and strike it. Blow the flame out. And that little puff of white smoke that comes off after your butt, that's a vapor. That's what the Bible talks about the life being a vapor. It's short. We don't have a lot of time. We need to be focused on doing God's will. We need to be focused on sharing the gospel. And when necessary, use words. I quoted Adrian Rogers. Use words when necessary, but most of all, does our life reflect the gospel of Jesus Christ? We're supposed to be walking it out for others to see. So where do you stand today? Where do you stand today? I can't answer these questions for you. Your mother and your father can't answer the question. Only you can. And the Holy Spirit. Friday at the road, a lady asked me to pray for her son. She said her son doesn't believe. Says he told her that he was an atheist. So I said, I'll pray for him. And... When I started praying for her, for him, she said, oh. And so I'm going to add what I prayed for him today. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. 
Father God, we come before you and we thank you for this day. Lord, we ask you to be with not only that person, but any other person that hasn't truly made a, a confession and a decision for you. Lord, I ask you to make them so miserable that they can't eat, that they can't sleep, they can't find rest, they can't do anything but become consumed with you until they decide what they're going to do with you. They either accept you, Lord, or reject you. But it's their business, it's their decision based upon their knowledge. And Lord, we just love you and know that you're working, drawing those people to you. Lord, give us the ability to recognize that and water that seed or plant that seed or harvest that seed that you would have us to do. Lord, if they cross the threshold of this church today and they haven't made a decision for you, I pray the same thing that I prayed for that young man. I pray that their sleep is hard to come by. I pray that their meals upset their stomach so that they have to come before you and cry out, Oh God, help me! And let that be the start of a long journey for them to return to You and spend eternity with You and Your kingdom. Lord, I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if everybody would join us in our closing hymn, number 486, Give Me Jesus. The altar is open if anyone
Father, we just pray that you give us strength and guidance. Give us the encouragement, Lord, that we need to speak your word. Father, that you receive all the honor and glory praise. Keep us safe this week. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.